Thanks, Carrot. Certainly isn't that the rest of the verses in, uh, in Acts chapter 1 aren't good, but that's got the focus in front of us, so that's great. going to be uh, speaking today uh, about how we respond practically to the things that Tony has brought to us. Not that you haven't been practical, Tony, so that's an important qualification, but just to say, in our spot here at New Life, how should we respond to an encouragement to look at the world around us? So I'm going to pray and ask God's help, and we'll get started. Father, thank you for this word just read. Thank you for your heart to the nations. Help us now to understand what you would have us do right here at New Life. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, I want to start off with a picture of this uh, wonderful guy here. His name is Alton Brown. Apparently, he's uh, into, um, uh, into YouTube videos, all those sorts of things. He makes his own. He's holding up something quite magnificent. Uh, and he's actually pouring forth scorn on this object. Does anyone know what that is? It's not a needle through a strawberry, though. That would be good. Uh, it is not. It is actually something far more exciting than that. Uh, it is a device devoted entirely to slicing strawberries. It is a strawberry slicer. It would be a great way to find a needle in a strawberry, however, uh, as you push down the little thing and carefully shred up your stra- What an amazing instrument. He also waxes lyrical about these uh, rather bizarre-looking things here, um, which are claws for ripping up meat, um, special claws. Now, he absolutely detests both of these objects, um, and he says, look, a knife will cut strawberries perfectly fine, and a fork will rip up your, your meat as well as claws that you can... He, the reason he gets upset is he gets upset about things called unitaskers, things that you have in your kitchen that only do one task. They have one right use. I mean, what else are you going to do with these claws other than kind of make an X-Men kind of costume of some kind? That they're, they're not for... So he says, don't have unitaskers. Don't have things that do just one thing. They only have one purpose. You shouldn't have them. But if you've got the idea of one purpose in mind, it'll actually help you as we go to a thing called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. In other words, a strawberry slicer slices strawberries. Uh, Meat shredding uh, uh, things shred meat. What about people? The Westminster Shorter Catechism has this question. In fact, it's question number one. What is the chief end of man? In other words, because it's weird English for us, some of us, isn't it? What is the purpose? What are human beings here for? What is the task of humanity? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, is the answer that it says. Has anyone heard this before? Some of you are nodding your heads. Can anyone answer the other 95 questions that are in the Westminster Shortcut? Probably not. But I think this is absolutely beautiful. What is the chief end of man? In other words, what's our one task? Our one task is to glorify God and, how beautiful is this, enjoy him forever. Now, if that's a new thought for you, if you've never heard that before, I want you to think about that, to tease that idea around a little bit. What if you're here? What if your purpose, what if your task in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever? There's a beautiful variant of this by a man called John Piper, a guy who I really love. And, and his, his line is, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. In other words, you will honour God most 
where your heart is most delighted in him. When you delight in God, you'll bring glory to him. I, I love Piper, and Piper is uh, following on uh, from a, an American uh, who's got a mental blank just at the moment. Jonathan Edwards is the guy's name. I'm listening to a biography of Edwards at the moment. Uh, you won't say, hey, how do we know that this is really what, what the chief end of man is? In Revelation 4.11, it says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. In other words, God is worthy of praise because he's the creator. In Philippians 4.4, it says, does anyone know? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Okay, so we're rejoicing in the Lord. We're praising him because he is worthy of praise. Psalm 37 verse 4, beautiful little uh, psalm verse. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so you think, all right, I know what I want. But as soon as you finish that, and it's not the Lord, you won't get it. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Well, if you delight in the Lord, your desire is the Lord. And he will give you the desire of your heart, which is more of him. Do you see? Delight yourself in the Lord, he says, and you will have the desires of your hearts. The chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This book uh, really changed my life when I read it some time ago. Uh, It's called Let the Nations Be Glad. It's by John Piper. It's a a book I'd recommend as we think about it. This is so Piper. The, The subtitle of the book is The Supremacy of God in Missions. The Supremacy of God in Missions. It's an absolutely beautiful book. I'll tell you why I liked it so much. Piper says, I would like to try and persuade you, I'd like to try and persuade you, he says, that the chief end of God is to glorify God and enjoy himself forever. Or to put it another way, the chief end of God is to enjoy glorifying himself. Okay, so I just said to you, the chief end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. And then Piper says, what's the chief end of God? He says, the chief end of God is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, I read that. I literally I did this. I literally, I put the book down and I walked away from where I was reading. I said, I don't think that. I, was, I wasn't probably doing it out loud, but I was growling in my head. I'm going, what is this? How can the chief end of God be to glorify himself and enjoy himself forever? That doesn't sound right. But then I thought about it some more, and obviously John had thought about it a lot. And uh, I want you to see uh, in Isaiah an example of where this is in the Scripture. And he spends, he's got uh, three double pages of Scriptures here to make his point. But I'll give you the key one. In Isaiah 48, so Isaiah is in this period here, here's our Bible timeline, Isaiah is in this period just when the, the, the kings of Israel are about to come to an end and just before they go into exile, this is where this passage occurs. And God's speaking to his people and he says this, for my own name's sake, I will delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you so, that as, so as not to cut you off. See, I've refined you. 
though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. Here's God saying, I am all about doing things for me. They're going to involve you, but they are for me first. This is a radical, radical shift for us. I'm still old enough to remember an ad that said, uh, I think it was for MLC, it used to say, for the most important person in the world. Does anyone remember this ad? And then it went blank and it said, you. You're the most important person in the world. That's the message we get told. Everybody gets a prize. You're all absolutely vital. And here God's saying, actually, guess what? You're not number one. I'm number one, and I do things for my glory. So if we think about this, for God to say that he will glorify something else, that would be a problem. If, however, if anyone else was to stood up and say, I am all about my glory, that's monstrous. We don't want that. When people are seeking power, they are doing something that is monstrous. It is not right for them to say, everybody owes me glory. So it's monstrous if it's not God saying that. But secondly, it's idolatry if he doesn't say that. Bear with me, bear with me. If God doesn't say, the most important thing for me is that everybody glorifies me, if he doesn't say that, anything else he lets be glorified is idolatry because he's the only God. Are you with me? So if God says it's okay for you to glorify anything else, he's taking glory away from himself, and that would be idolatry because he's the one true God. Do you see this? So we can't have any human do it. That would be monstrous. And it would be wrong if God didn't do it because he's the only one in the universe who is worthy of all of our praise and honor. Are you with me? Okay, so it follows then, and this is Piper's logic again, If you love the glory of God, you cannot be indifferent to missions. So if God's purpose in the world is to gather people together so that they would praise his name, and everyone isn't doing it yet, then that's a problem, isn't it? If God's passion is that everybody will bring glory to him, but everyone isn't, then we should be passionately committed to mission. He goes on to say, Mission is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. Do you see this? So why, why would we do mission? Because the more people who love and serve Jesus, the more glory that goes to God. Do you see? And the way that we glorify God is by worshipping him. So, Mission exists because worship doesn't. I think that's a radical thought. But I love it. We're here because apparently not everyone in Oran Park is with us this morning. Have you noticed this, church? You have a little chuckle with me, don't you? But did you notice that they're not here? There are people from your street who aren't here. They're your next-door neighbours. They're not here. Because Despite the fact that uh, we, we don't have some people in our, room, in our street here, there are more streets being made every day, 700 homes a year. And we believe something special happens when people move into a new spot. We believe that lives in transition are open. When you look for a new hairdresser, when you look for a new school, when you wonder who your friends are, you can also wonder about the place, the place of God. Lives in transition, we believe, are open. And so we think there is a unique opportunity here because we're convinced from the Scripture 
that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, this church is called New Life because you can find a fresh start, because you can get a new start, become a new creation in God. And because those who have been made new have been committed, have received the message so that we can go out and give it to others. So what's our vision? Actually, I shouldn't put it up, should I? I should just stop. I'll go back. Church, what's our vision? Give me a great tone. It's been a really good test. You ready? Watch this. So what are we here for? What do we long to see, church? See how this is working, Tony? It's magnificent. We long to see new life in Jesus come to what? In Oran Park and for their salvation, for the good of the and the glory of... Okay, all right. That's not bad. I, I love this. I'm passionate about this. We long to see new life in Jesus come to every home. Why? Because worship is not going to Jesus. Because everyone isn't here yet. That should be our passion. And we have a plan for how we'll do it. We're going to give the message of new life by connecting with people, by caring for them. Do you hear the echoes in the story of Reda and Samir there? Hospitality. Do you hear it? Got to connect first. Got to give them an opportunity. We're going to then communicate. We're going to speak clearly about Jesus and lead people to commit to him as king. Alongside the giving, we need to do the living. It must match up with our life. We must be a church that is faithful, adventurous, compassionate, enduring, shaped for an authentic Christian life. That's our plan. That's how we want to do it. I want you to think with me today, because Tony's been encouraging us to look beyond Oran Park. We want to be doing mission right here. So that's you and I. We need to be doing that. But we also need to lift our eyes up, as Tony's been encouraging us, to see the world around us. I don't know if you know, but 10% of our offertory goes to the greenfield areas of Sydney. Now, now what are greenfield areas of Sydney? Not very much of it at the moment because it hadn't been raining much, right? Not much of it's green. But what greenfields means is new housing development areas. Uh, 10% of our offertory gets taken by the diocese and put into a pool for buying new land in new areas so that more churches may be made. So... We are, in a very practical sense, looking beyond ourselves in that 10%. That's great. But I want to encourage you, you can play a role as well. And I want to do it by thinking about giving the message of new life and living new life for Jesus beyond Oran Park. How, how would we do that? There are two scriptures that I want to highlight and from the two readings. Uh, sorry, from uh, the first reading, uh, sorry, the second reading that Carolyn brought us. In Acts 1.8 we see, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As a church, we must be looking to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1.8. And then we want to be living new life for Jesus. And there's this beautiful verse in Micah 6.8. And Jeff preached on this the other week. It echoes the seek justice from the Isaiah reading that we had today. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord God require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So we've got Acts 1.8 and Micah 6.8 guiding us as we look beyond Oran Park. 
there are some organizations that we partner with in order to do this. And I want to encourage you today, because we don't talk about this very often. And so what I'm going to do is tell you some of the organizations and then tell you about how we might be partnering with them. Okay, that's, that's the plan for the rest of this talk. So the first one for giving the message of new life, this is an organization locally, one at home and one away that will be doing the proclamation work, the telling about Jesus. The first one, the one closest to home, is called MacArthur Indigenous Church. And we are going to be doing some things with them soon. And I'll tell you about that a little bit later. That's a local one near home for us. The away organization that's helping us think about preaching the good news of Jesus is called CMS, Church Mission Society. And that's who Tony and Susie went overseas with and who Howard and Michelle, who we um, pray for in the Philippines, they are with as well. So MacArthur Indigenous Church, CMS. On the living new life for Jesus, we want to be thinking about acting justly and loving mercy. And we're going to partner with an organisation called IJM, International Justice Mission. You might have heard us talk about them. And you've definitely heard us talk about compassion. So act justly, love mercy. They're the organisations that we're partnering with to do that. Now, we're going to say to you that we want to encourage you to support those organisations yourselves directly. Many churches will say, Give us your money, we'll take 10% of that, and then a fraction of that will go to some organisations that we support. We are not doing that here at church. And you might think, why? Well, number one, 10% of our offertory already goes beyond us. So that's a good start, yeah? Secondly, I want to give you a couple of reasons, about five reasons why I think you supporting them directly is a good idea. Number one, I think you'll give more. Because you'll pick an organisation that you love you'll give more, not 10% of the money of your 10% that you give to us. If you give to them directly, I'm convinced that you'll give more. More than that, I'm convinced that we will give more collectively if we support these organisations individually, rather than our, all our money coming in and 10% and then a quarter of 10%. Do, do you see, I, I just don't think that's the way long-term for us to grow. So I think we're going to give more if we do it together. Uh, thirdly, we'll have fewer orphans. Now, that is not meaning that um, compassion will do their job. What I mean by this, um, some of you have been in churches before, before New Life, and you found that there is a dusty board on the wall somewhere where there are out-of-date pictures of missionaries. Does, do, you've probably seen these, Tony, I'm, I'm sure. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? And when you look at the dusty board that's got the missionaries on it, nobody knows who they are anymore. Some people have been faithfully supporting them for 20 years, but most people have no idea. They might not have even met them. And so what we have is we have organisational orphans. Somebody sometime had a connection, but now it's just a name on a board and we don't know them. When you make a personal commitment to an organisation, they're never orphaned because you have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with them. Does that make sense? Fourthly, there's more freedom. You might say, I love International Justice Mission. You might have only heard about it today. You might say, I love International Justice Mission. I want to pour all of my resources into bringing freedom for slaves around the world. You're free to do that. You might say, the four organizations that New Life Anglican Church are choosing to highlight, I don't like. I really love, insert your organization here. Guess what? We don't want to stop you doing that. If God's moved your heart to generously support the ministries beyond the life of this church, we want to encourage you to go for it. You're free. 
And you don't have to take any money away from that to support anything that we're doing here. There's freedom. Fourthly, here's a, here's a classic one. I know you're going to love this. There are actually tax benefits of doing it directly. Did you know this? Some of you nod your head. You know this. If you give your money to us and we give it to them, guess what? You don't get the tax benefit. If you give the money to them directly, you'll get a tax benefit. And everyone's going, it's so ungodly. We don't need to do that. That's all right. You're allowed to say that in church and then go home and change your giving. There's some reasons why it might be good to do it directly, and we'd love for you to do that. Let me tell you about the organisations that I want to encourage you to partner with, if you're not, or to join us in partnering with together. This is MacArthur Indigenous Church. Uh, This is Michael Duckett. He's the head of the church. They're just up there in Campbelltown. Um, I'm really excited about what these guys are doing, and I think I told you a little while ago, and we're going to bring this uh, into land really soon. So uh, on Sunday the 28th of October, that is not far away, we've got MacArthur Indigenous Church coming to join us for church. They're going to come and do church with us. Uh, There's actually um, an article in the brand new Southern Cross. I literally unboxed it at the start of this service, so you haven't read it. Um, And in it is an article about um, how we uh, hear our Aboriginal brothers and sisters. Just shared two quotes for you. Uh, One of the questions in here is, how can you show respect to Aboriginal people, especially our Christian brothers and sisters? And there's an Aboriginal brother here who says, listen to them. Show them that you sincerely care and do this by getting beyond the superficial. Don't approach them in a way that says, show respect to the black man, but honour them as fellow human beings and in Christian community as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's pretty good advice, isn't it? Secondly, it says here, how can we think about mission among Aboriginal people today, especially in view of a difficult history? The answer, building relationships is crucial and much more effective than drop-in short-term initiatives. You need to know the people. So what are we going to do? We're going to do church together, and then we're going to have lunch afterwards and give ourselves time to hang out. On top of that, Michael is an artist, and he's painted a beautiful picture, which I haven't seen yet, I'm trusting it's beautiful by faith. It's a beautiful picture of reconciliation, God's reconciliation with us. And what he's going to do on the day, he's he's going to present that to us as a church and we're going to do some practical reconciliation together by hanging out as one family in God. I am stoked about that and I look forward to seeing where that partnership will go. We want to point you to CMS. This is a little video from CMS. Have a look at this. Awesome. Now, Tony, you guys sent out newsletters. I even read some. Prayed for you. Is it, is it encouraging to get notes back from people and stuff? So it's, it's actually encouraging in the field. What we want to do is, uh, this, is uh, this is Howard uh, on, the, uh, on the right-hand side there, and, um, and his uh, two boys, they have a, another girl as well who's not there, and here's uh, Michelle. We went and saw them in the Philippines recently. They are our missionaries, Howard and Michelle, And you can find out more about them uh, by getting one of these little cards uh, that we have. That's it. That's it there. And by signing up to their newsletter, and you can write to them and encourage them. Also, in the kids, if your kids have come to the house party, they will have this little booklet about praying for world mission, and you will have received this booklet too. A way to think about praying for the world around us. So sign up to support Howard and Michelle. And if you don't have that little card, maybe you can put your details on the Care and Connect card and we will give you those details so you can sign up.
Uh, fourthly, I just want to tell you about um, IJM and Compassion. Um, here are the two heads of IJM in the Philippines. This is Noel and this is Noel. Yes, it was as good as that when we were there as well. It was pretty cool. Uh, we love these organisations. Uh, we're going to do a Freedom Sunday, which will telling you more about IJM as part of our vision series coming up on the 4th of November. So stay tuned for that. If you don't know about IJM, you'll find out more then. You can sponsor a child through Compassion, and Jeff's always willing to, uh, to help us do that. But we also have that information afternoon coming up on November the 20. 25, November the 25th, and we will be telling you more about our next um, compassion trip to the Philippines. So if you want to know more about that, that's a way to be involved in those. Now, that's just a small sample of what we can do. God is going to be glorified. He isn't in every place at the moment, not in Oran Park and not in the world. We want to encourage you to join with us here locally in Oran Park and partner with organisations that are taking the good news out in the giving and the living to the world that's beyond here. There'll be opportunities to do that. There'll be more information in the newsletter this week. But there are four practical ways that you can join us in taking the good news beyond Oran Park to the wider world. I want to quickly say some thank yous for the weekend before I sit down, because, you know, I've got the microphone, so why not? Uh, we were ma- it was amazing that our kids yesterday were looked after by volunteers from Hope Anglican Church. And um, I believe Michael and the kids gave them a gift yesterday, but I just want to honour them today and say they're amazing. Who looks after our kids? That's always a blessing. Who looks after someone else's kids? That's radical. So we want to say thanks to Hope Anglican. They did an amazing job. Uh, I want to say thank you to my incredible team, uh, they are uh, including Paul. There's Paul. Um, my incredible team did an amazing job, and they've been working since you said that doing a house party would be a good idea some time ago. So I want to give them um, some little thanks, and I want you to be able to clap them if you can. Um, can I invite Paul and Heidi to come up? Is Heidi somewhere? You need to go and physically grab her, I think, and drag her away from food things. Thanks, Hides. If you can come up. Um, I, I want to tell you, tell you that I love you guys and you've done an extraordinary amount of work and I just want to say thank you. Give me a hug, bro. Um, you did so much and I really appreciate it and you're going to do even more just after I finish talking. So, But um, thank you so much, guys. Uh, fantastic. Uh, I want to say thank you to... Who's next up? Uh, to Julie. Julie, are you... She's here somewhere. Go get her. Great. She'll come in a second. Uh, Julie, I want to say thank you to Tim. Come up, Tim. My brother um, has been awesome. You've done a fantastic job. The Mariachi Band was Tim's idea. And um, if you weren't there and you don't know what we're talking about, ask someone. It was amazing. And I'm just really thankful for your organisation and hard work, mate. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, That's Tim, that's Julie, and I have one more couple to thank. If Steve and Lisa can come up the front, uh, that'd be awesome. Come on down. Um, 
Lisa made all of our show bags. Steve helped um, for a day, basically setting up all the stuff around the place. And uh, these guys have just done an amazing job. Oh, look, you can stay down there, are you? Okay, all right, all right. Okay, all right, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, bro. You did a great job. Um, I'm really blown away at uh, the hard work that you guys did right the way across. And Julie, not here. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, we also have Tony here. Now, Tony, I gave you a gift just before, so this looks a bit awkward because you're the speaker and I'm not acknowledging. Do you want to just stand up for a second, Tony? There we go. Can we thank Tony for his hard work in um, bringing the Word of God to us? Uh, mate, it has been a joy and a delight, so thank you so much, and it was great for you to, uh, to bring Susie with you the other day as well. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who came along. Um, it's kind of a radical thing to do a house party. Never done one before. You came! Uh, we're really thankful, uh, thankful to you and thankful for you hanging out with us uh, over the week. It's a, pen, it's a pun, you see, it's a pun. They're hanging, you see, hang, yeah, I don't know. Um, and, uh, and lastly, I really do want to say I'm thank, thankful to God because it didn't rain and that was amazing and so I'm thankful to God for the weekend that we've had. I'm thankful that our eyes have been pointed beyond ourselves to the world uh, uh, through Tony's um, preaching and through his handling of the Word of God and um, I am really, really thankful for what has happened um, through this weekend. So thank you, one and all. If you um, have one of these still, can you give it back? That'd be really great, because we're going to need them for carols as we give the message of new life to other people beyond here. Uh, All right, Jeff, do you want to come and do Karen Connect cards? Um, We really love Julie. She's done an amazing job. She personalised every single one of these name tags. Um, She works incredibly hard. So if you see Julie, can you say thank you on our behalf? That'd be great.